da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Welcome to this Mad About Movies bonus episode of Swartz, I guess. It's not a full-blown ma'am. We're still, uh, we're preparing a bit for summer. It's kind of technically started here with Captain America, but, uh, you know, next week is when there's like a million movies out. So we're just doing a, a kind of a bonus style episode this week. There's no Brian. We've we've killed him and locked him into a room with the <laughs> It's a coincidence that we're talking that movie tonight too, and that happened. It's just—it's really it, weird. It is weird because, as you know, we've had this plan long, much long before the movie was made. And the neo Nazis have been threatening us for a while, and <laughs> it's just weird that they chose this week to carry out their plan. It's just unfortunate for Brian too. We really in the middle yeah. of a move and a lot of stuff going on, and then boom, neo Nazis. It's it's it's, just, it's an odd. Um, it's weird that neo-Nazis are that big of fans of Now You See Me. And yeah, so we, we got really... on their bad side. But you know what? I stand by it. You know? It's just one of those things. You know? If I have to sacrifice Brian to, for my art, then you know I'm good with that. Now, there are some video game nerds that just love My Little Pony randomly. Um, yeah. Same goes for, I guess, neo-Nazis and Now You See Me. <laughs> Who would have thought? It's... On the record, right? Yep. Yep. But I'm, I guess mm. our main job on this show richard as you know is to provide right. everyone out there with the best and latest in the world of movie news rumors and rumblings yeah but in the movie industry i guess we're still kind of riding the wave of captain america civil war and still dominating the box office it is still no doubt about it that it's the number one thing out right now number one thing going and uh, marvel's still kind of on top of it this this week and i assume you know, barring crazy things, that uh, Civil War will probably take the reins again this weekend, probably third week in a row that that will happen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Angry Unless... Birds Angry Birds might knock it off the top. I don't know. It could. No. Who knows? No, I, I would Cause think. Because this is 2011, right? <laughs> it is. We did. It... Okay. Then, Wait. yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is. Um, I still play Angry Birds daily. I don't know about you, Richard. <laughs> I'm more of a Temple Run guy. I'm, but I stand by. I mean, Angry Birds is fine. Too. Angry Birds and Draw Something. I just can't stop mm-hmm. playing both yeah. of those. By the way, it's your turn on Words with Friends, so just pay attention. By the way, I can't wait. Uh, 2022. Uh, they've announced Flappy Bird, the movie. 2022 uh, release date. Okay. Can't Good. wait for that. Timely. Can't Timely. wait. Now, did he sell the rights, or did he take the rights back? Because of this? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, Flappy Bird. What good times. Uh, but this weekend, we have Angry Birds... Neighbors 2, and The mm-hmm. Nice Guys coming out. So I don't think any of those three will knock it off. Neighbors 2 will do decent. Yeah, I think it'll make $50 million. I think uh, Civil War could do 50 to 75 again. I think the buzz is still strong enough. I might see Civil War a second time. I think this is kind of a weekend for the second timers, you know? Yeah. Given a I'm, couple uh, weeks I'm excited for Nice Guys. And the buzz is good, which makes me happy because I love... Uh... I love Shane Black when he's operating all cylinders, and uh, I'm excited to see Russell Crowe do comedy. The buzz is also strong for Neighbors 2. Yeah, it is. I did not like Neighbors 1 very much. so I didn't like Neighbors 1 at all. Yeah. And I've seen some some strong buzz on Neighbors 2. Can't guarantee we'll get to an episode on that one, because I know we'll want to do the nice guys, because we love Shane Black on the show. But we like like Seth Rogen, too, but... Given the fact that the nice guys is kind of a new property and 
we kind of know what Neighbors 2 is going to be, I guess. Nice Guys maybe, is... Uh, maybe we'll do a Twitter poll and we'll let people vote. Uh, I would say we put Angry Birds on there for, for giggles, but uh, it might win. So let's leave Angry Birds off and let's do a Nice Guys or Neighbors 2 poll. Neighbors we'll 2 just... would win, so I don't want to do that poll because I don't want to see Neighbors 2. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I forget um, I ever said that. Strike that from the record. Hold on. That's our a good idea. Our stenographer is not paying attention. Strike that from the record. Thank you, Denise. I hope it's good. I was like, down know, with neighbors, and, neighbors one. I thought neighbors one could have been funny. It had a funny uh, concept and premise. It just mm-hmm. execution was pretty bad. And it's Rogan, I felt kind of milled it in on that one a bit yeah. and thought, you know, maybe the concept alone, maybe the fact that Efron is in the movie, will sell all the tickets we need and didn't have to be that funny. I didn't uh, think it was any of Rogan's best work at all. Certainly yeah. not. Uh, not even in the in the top five, I don't think. But we we live to see another day, and it's just crazy that that got a sequel. And there are so many other Rogan movies that we would have liked to see sequels to, you know, a Knocked Up yeah. Two or a Pineapple Express Two or who knows, Green Hornet Two, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. We'll have to see. But it's crazy. Uh, Captain America still dominating, and I think Batman v Superman is completely out now. I think it's I think it's done. Well, until Justice League. <laughs> we had a nice listener send us a uh, a picture this past week. Went to go see Batman vs Superman. He just took a picture of the theater for us, <laughs> completely empty. He was the only one in there. So, you know, you caught it at the right time. Whoever you were, I'm sorry, I don't uh, recall your name, but really bad. It, you know what though? It's made eight or nine hundred mil. Definitely, probably not what they were hoping. But I bet it's made its money back when you factor made. in the marketing and everything. Maybe in I, a don't know, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, but I don't. it's not it's not going to bring in five hundred million in profit like Warner Brothers probably needs it to. Just off the characters alone, that's yeah, a, that's two billion dollars easy <laughs> in just name recognition. You would think. I know at least at least a bill like in just name recognition. And then if it was if it was if it was an okay movie with those characters, you would think definitely easy an easy billion. If it was good, you'd think one point eight to two, and. uh if it being bad is is eight hundred to Marvel billion. with uh with this past weekend, they topped mm. ten billion worldwide in their MCU, mm. ten billion in uh the box office. So that's not too shabby. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I bet it's costs between Mark and then you'd add in the toy sales and everything that that thing just crushes is is uh yeah that's nuts. That's a nice. It's good to see something go right for Disney, but. Uh, yeah, we've got other movie news in the in the in the racket. So, you think Captain America wins? Your prediction is going to win this? Uh, this I weekend? think so, and it's crazy cool. because it's just just to touch on Batman v Superman one more time. It's just crazy to think, and you know what the number one guess what the number one movie of the year is? Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool has made forty more million dollars, yeah, domestically than Batman v Superman. Deadpool did. And Zootopia has made more than Batman v Superman has. I mean, it's a way better movie, I will admit. And uh, yeah. the Jungle Book is not far in its trail. It's only behind Batman v Superman by $10 million. The Jungle Book might even pass that this weekend if it pulls wow. in 15 or 20. And uh, it's just crazy, man. And, and Batman v Superman's done. Um, yeah. Completely done. And uh, I think Jungle Book still has a lot to go. Captain America is only $20 million behind it. At this point, it's been out three weeks, as opposed to, I don't know, three months. So, not good. And there's been a big shakeup at DC slash Warner Brothers that I I would feel bad to 
go into depth talking about without Brian here. But um, but it kind of feels let's just good, say it? it just feels kind of good. Yeah, justice, no pun intended, has kind of been done in the, as far as that goes. But go out and see Civil War if you haven't seen it. Uh, thank you to the people who have listened to last week's episode and have left their comments and, and all that. But this would be a good week to go go out and see Civil War if you have nothing else to do. But as you mentioned, Richard, there is there is some movie news to discuss. Yeah, one of the uh, the fun things about doing this show as as it grows, and we 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 uh, we had a nice milestone last week, and we and we continue to pass a bunch of milestones. Um, it's it's the, the one of the coolest things is the, to wake up uh, or or be working in my case early in the morning, and then uh, kind of come back to your phone and uh, you have a bunch of tweets and emails and stuff from listeners saying you know something in movie news has come out. It's fun to have news broken that way instead of. Having it's like it's funny, yeah. It's funny to log in to whatever maybe our Twitter and see like a bunch of notifications. You're like, oh, what happened? Something with now you see me happened. Some big movie news item uh, came out, and uh, sometimes those those types of days demand episodes. And we've released some reactionary episodes in the past, and uh, we might do them in the future. But today was kind of those days, and I guess this kind of counts as a mini reactionary segment. I guess not necessarily an episode, but mm-hmm. what's the big news? Yeah, so so the the big news is there's a new, uh, at least new big news in the Mad About universe, uh, the MACU, the MACU, uh, which is also <laughs> a fantastic, good bunch of good basketball teams in the MACU, right? Like Midwest, you know, good like <laughs> you know mid majors, um, you know they'll win a game in the tournament if you're not careful. Uh, so, uh, news in the Mad About Movies universe that, uh, that there's a new Ghostbusters trailer. Right. And, and the, the, the vitriol of these trailers is, is starting to spout is, is, is odd. It's weird. Yep. No, I people, agree. It's people, been crazy. Uh, we, we shared some, um, maybe some concern at some of the casting choices because they were not male. And as we all know, we, everyone knows that Mad About Movies, we don't want any females in movies, right? We were pretty... <laughs> No, not at all. Who cares? Speak for no, yourself. Think, no, I think in all all female uh, Ghostbusters, we've been on the record thinking that's a cool idea, um, but maybe a couple of their choices are odd um, because they're people that that either we've yet to see do anything good, we've yet to see a film performance at all, or and then Kristen Wiig who's always great, and then Melissa McCarthy who's very good like thirty percent of the time and pretty annoying seventy percent of the time. So it's concerning. Um, and so, but we all we did was say was, from the beginning we 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 this is odd these are odd choices but I hope it's good awesome can't wait to see this stuff but we've been grouped into this camp of like we are we think this movie's going to be awful I don't think either of us still do I'm still kind of open to it uh, but the the reaction of these trailers has been confusing and and the first trailer was confusing it did not establish the plot well the new trailer kind of does a little more and it's fine I mean it's a Ghostbusters remake I don't right. think anybody expected them to make a a classic. What do you think, Kent? What are your thoughts? It's this is kind of the perfect storm for the internet fanboys to go crazy for, right? Not only are you taking one of the most beloved franchises in film history, I mean, this is Back to the Future level fanboys, you know, um, mm-hmm. sacred territory. Not only do you that do that, but you flip it on its head and you give it sort of a generic feel. Uh, by all means, this is a very generic Hollywood sci-fi comedy, it seems. is yes. nothing nothing out of the ordinary I, I don't see that, that would create such an uproar. It's as if 
America and the world has suddenly opened their eyes like, wow, trailers are bad. And now yeah. we know. And this is, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it's formulaic in all the ways you see movies launched nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's maybe they're just offended that most of McCarthy's involved. Maybe, but I thought she was kind of a, you know, I thought we were in the minority as far as the dislike for her comedic stylings. You know, I yeah. felt like the, the general public was, was all in on her. I and, think uh, and I think where we because we're such a comedy nerds nerds performance nerds, I think we saw, you know, we saw those beats um, early on that she was kind of redoing the same bit because I think she's super talented and it was just frustrating that she kept redoing the same thing. I think maybe America in the last year has kind of soured on that. Like, okay, enough, Melissa. You know, it took <laughs> maybe it took two of those type performances to annoy us, and it took like five or six to annoy America. It seems like, like yeah, that's a good. Observation may had this come out a year ago. Would this, would there be this reaction? Well, right. you know, is it just like a mile too far on her, mm-hmm. you know, at this point? And you might absolutely be right, but it just seems more than that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think I, I can't even get into, I guess, the misogyny of it all. You know, I just don't understand right. that. I, I thought we were past that as a society and everything. Yeah. And I can't see anyone being legitimately upset because of the fact that it's a female cast and yeah. only that I be, I, I just can't see that. Oh, not going to see it. Female cast. Yeah. I, I just can't see it, anyone being that close minded, like any normal, are those not normal, though. but any decent human being, you know, I just, I don't understand. How, how can you, I, I just have no other parallel to draw or to, I, I just can't see, Oh, that, that, that band is all females, but they make, you know, great music. Not going to listen to them. They're females. You know I know what people I mean? I like don't, that. I don't, people are like that with music. But I think musically it's a weird, like more psychological thing where like a lot I think a lot of people listen to music and like pretend like they're in the band when they listen to it. And so if it's a girl's voice, it's like I can't sing that. I know guys like that that hmm. only listen to male bands, and that's weird to me. Because I listen to music passively, whatever. I mean, I'm not pretending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, I, I do pretend like I'm Adele because I'm, you know, I'm willing to take that leap. Um, but it, it is weird and, and, and to say the least, I think we've been confused because we were kind of concerned at this cast, but it's not because they're female. I can think of a hundred more females over a few of these people. Like I'm cool with Kristen Wiig. I'm even cool. I'm cool with Melissa McCarthy. If she's doing right. kind of the more low key Melissa McCarthy thing and not just falling down every 10 seconds. Um, I'm cool with it. Like I would have gotten tired of Chris Farley if he just kept making Tommy Boy. He just happened to die after Black Sheep. Mm-hmm. Like if if Chris Farley was still doing Tommy Boy in 1999, I think we would be like, let's, dude, you got to mix it up a little bit. And that's like, all. Like having that's what happened to Sandler. Yeah, they did exactly. a little, like little Nicky, and everyone's like, okay, dude, you need to <laughs> yeah, chill. Exactly. And then he goes and makes Punch Drunk Love and other stuff, you know. Yeah, and it worked so, out. But. I mean, I think it's just kind of. And then, you know, we've espoused that. I just neither none of us think Leslie Jones is funny. And uh, and so in, in this this trailer, too, is just kind of her yelling. That's her bit. Whatever. Some people may think that's really funny. I think she'll probably get a lot of laughs in the movie if the lines are written well, especially is not that many. Not it's not like everyone in America watches SNL anymore. And I maintain the first time you see Leslie Jones, she's funny because she's she's big and she's loud and she's crass. And like, it's just the second and third and fourth time you see it. And you're like, oh, that's. You know, it's like a pitcher that only throws fastballs. But I think this will be a lot of people's introduction to her, and I think she'll get some laughs. Like, I'm I'm cool with the movie. It's just, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be, we've said, like, a B minus, a B, which is fine. Right. That's actually pretty good for remaking a classic. I mean, what classic, what remake of a classic film 
has been as good or better. I don't know. Maybe the first Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, there's like four. There's been a bunch that have been as good or better, but they're not huge properties with the, the, I don't know, the uh, dedication of Ghostbusters, you know? Right. Like the, it's it's like Indiana Jones. I feel like Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, and Back to the Future, if you remade any of those, like started from scratch, we're going to remake it, people will be legitimately upset. Like, unlike you would with a RoboCop or a Predator or even Terminator, you know, it's just, there's something about those three properties that people just, Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, they, they have rooms dedicated to them. And it's not like a Star Wars level where, yeah, we want to see new characters and we want this world to continue. It's like, nope, those movies and that's it. And you can't touch them. And, you know, that's how you and I are about the original Meteor Man. Yeah. With Robert Townsend. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know. Meteor Man. I blank Man for me. Okay, Meteor that's man. right. You're a blank. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. on the opposite. That's like DC Marvel. Yeah. You're a blank man guy. I'm a Meteor Man guy. <laughs> blank Man is some of the best. Some of the best uh, Wayne's Brothers uh, comedy that there has been. And Amer- future American treasure, David Allen Greer. All right, Dag. Can't, can't forget Dag. <laughs> but I mean, this is, this Ghostbusters thing, it, it's because it's Ghostbusters. I think 99% of it is because it's Ghostbusters. Like if this was, if this was the watch, you know, or the neighborhood watch yeah. movie with these four and there was like a generic trailer and it was sci-fi, yes. everyone would be like, Oh, that could be funny, but there yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most that's disliked cr- video in YouTube history. Yeah. You know? That's totally, that's dead on. Yeah. This was a new property. And yeah, if it was um that David Duchovny evolution movie that was from the Ghostbusters sure. maker and it was, this cast and that level of entertaining the trailer, people be like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. I think, you know, we've all been saying as a, as a public and as critics that, you know, how long is Hollywood going to be able to get away with just remaking crap? You know, how long are they going to keep? Yeah. I think that's like, maybe this is just the, maybe this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back when the the public is like enough is enough. Okay. Like this is, that'd be great. I'll sacrifice yeah. Ghostbusters for that to happen because I would love some more, you know, like the nice guys and things like that coming out. I mean, we've gotten we've gotten past the point of is this okay to reboot? And now we're just at will it make money? We're rebooting it. You know, yeah. Ghostbusters, they're ma- they're making a they're releasing a freaking Ben-Hur remake this year. I mean, yeah. it's like well, I mean, would... you've been you you've been on the record asking for that for <laughs> every episode I actually have. Yeah. yeah. Finally. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? You can find our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and re- please remake Ben-Hur. You we'll know what I mean? Are we going to get, like, Gone with the Wind next year? Are we going to get, you know what I'm God- saying? Godfather. Apocalypse Now? Or the Godfather? Oscar, what? Yeah. What's untouchable? Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing is. That's just, you know, we're in the, I would say, culturally, that, like, 20, you know, the 2010s, it, maybe it leaks out a little bit to the late 2000s, but I will say the 2010s will be known as, like, the fan service decade. Where the studios just basically pulled the masses and be like, "What do you like? Oh, you you like Star Wars? Okay, we're gonna p- spend four billion and bring back Star Wars. What what else do you like? You know, oh, you liked Boy Meets World? All right, we're making a we're making Girl Meets World. Like everything is fan service, which in some ways is cool. It's always fun if it's if it's a property you care about. It's exciting, and then ultimately disappointing or thrilling if they bring it back correctly. Right. Um. But you know, these I think when when you when you remake these these properties, a lot of your marketing is done for you. We have brand recognition with Ghostbusters. So 
uh, that's a, they don't have to establish its viability. Oh, I understand the value. But the risk is, yeah, I know, I know you do. I'm just explaining. Yeah, to you. I'm just saying that that you 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 know it establishes viability as credibility, and then all you have to do is hopefully make it good. Well, that's harder than it seems, and I think I think people do this a lot of times as a shortcut, and uh, it ends up biting them because the the expectations are always higher. Like you said, if this was just a random, if this this was the watch then everyone has much lower expectations. But then again, 2 million people aren't going to watch the trailer either. See, that's what that's the trade-off you make. Is Yeah, it's the most disliked trailer in the history of YouTube, but that, but 10 million people watched it where they wouldn't have if it was the watch. So yeah. that's, the, that's the equation, right? If, if 10 million people watch it and 8 million of them hate it, but 2 million of them like it, then that's probably higher than if it's just the watch with those four girls and only 1.8 million people ever watch the trailer. You still you still get 2 million people because your pool's so much wider. I think that's the math that the studios do on these. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's just, we've said that this trailer, that trailer number two that just came out, is leaps and bounds better than the first. Yes. And I'm looking at, this is comicbook.com's YouTube channel that I watched it on. It has a, uh, a bunch of plays already came out this morning, but it's got 5,000 likes and 25,000 dislikes. And this is trailer yeah, but, number two. But it's people, like people have they, made up their mind already on this. I, I'm I not think, convinced. But that's such a self-selecting sample size. Like the people that can go on that YouTube channel are 50% people that are just wanting to, you know, they're going to be fanboys that are wanting to crap on a new Ghostbusters. Or yeah. they're people that are YouTubing trailers, which is people like you and me, like people that are nerds on this kind of stuff. Um, you know, maybe they're hoping this will play with like our moms or something, you know, and that's a whole different, maybe if you, if you showed this in the theater in front of stuff, maybe the response would be instead of five to 25, it would be 50, 50 or 60, 40 positive. I mean, that's such a small, the internet, especially day of like, that's just, I can say nerds because I'm one of them. That's just nerds going on and and Googling the trailer or movie podcasts. There's millions of us too. Sad that the studio, that's what they look at. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's their sample, you know, is yeah. how is it doing on YouTube? How's it, how's it performing on social media? What are the people saying? What kind of buzz is it getting? That's going to determine the money that they spend when it comes down to four weeks before the movie comes out. And they have to decide, are we doing this $10 million campaign during the NBA finals or are yeah. we doing the $2 million campaign during the, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's crazy. And, and I, I've said, that I, I think it'll be good. You know, I I don't think it'll be great. I think it'll be B minus. I think it'll be That's, funny. It'll it'll respect the original. It'll maybe have you know have a handful of laughs. You know, I I anticipate a lot of cringe in this movie, and uh, you know I'm I'm anticipating it uh, full force actually. But I think man, Leslie Jones, she's been enough to ruin the movie. She she just won't stop screaming. I mean, it's just got to, at some point... It's like if you put Jerry Lewis in a movie in 2016, he's just like, hey, ladies! And you're like, what is this? It's jarring. We know Leslie Jones from SNL, and we get two-minute sample sizes of that. And we're like, yeah, she's funny. But this is going to be a nearly two-hour movie. (laughs) And I just don't know. And it's just kind of a risk, I think, to... From what we've seen in the trailers, for that character to just be that out, out... outlandish and and i give them credit i'll give them credit if they make it work but i'm worried about that and we were beforehand but this trailer trailer number two has done nothing to prove otherwise that that's her role 
It's possible. like Melissa McCarthy falling down. It's like we know if she does <laughs> more than that, then we're going to be happy. If if Leslie Jones does more than scream in our face, yeah. then I'm going to be happy. That'd be great. I'd love yeah. to see. I hope she wins an Oscar. Be awesome. The but... poster is literally her screaming. <laughs> so like, go toy. look it up. Go look up. Then there's that the weird girl. Kristen Wiig toy with the googly eyes. Yeah. I don't understand what is, what's even happening. But And the point I wanted to make with this, as far as Straw That Broke the Campbell's Back, is, um, and I think a lot of the fanboy reaction has to do with this, this just doesn't feel organic at all. This doesn't feel... Like, enough time has passed. Okay, we could remake this now and, and get away with it. You know what's it, weird? It, and watching the trailer, maybe, and maybe they're doing this progressively, so maybe it's not done yet, but a lot of the effects look cool. Like, they're enough to be homage, but also kind right. of unique until they get to Slimer. And then you're just like, oh, maybe Slimer's not done yet, but yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it seems to draw a lot of inspiration from the first one. We can tell that from this trailer, the climactic scene involves the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man again. And I hope it's just not a straight, you know, remake almost shot for shot or, you know, rips yeah. off it too much. But it's not organic. And if maybe it wasn't for the WikiLeaks stuff that came out, uh, the Sony stuff, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of stuff that came out about how they wanted to remake this no matter what. You know, the Ackroyd drama, the whole Bill Murray drama happened. Harold Ramis passes away. A lot of controversy. And uh, it didn't seem like Sony wanted to release this because, hey, this is a story that needs to be told. We have this great script. It's like, we're making Ghostbusters. Who's going to yeah. do it? Oh, Paul Feig, you have a Done. decent idea? Done. You know? Yeah. And I see, I've read the email, his pitch to Amy Pascal uh, for Ghostbusters. And it's literally like two paragraphs. It's like, here's what I want to do. It's going to be these, you know, four women, XX and X. Here's the villain, XX and X. And then, you know, Pascal replies and is like, all right, let's meet tomorrow. And, you know, rest was history. But mm. it just seems kind of forced. It's not like a it's not like a War of the Worlds or a Dawn of the Dead or, you know, a remake that or a, even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, it's not like enough time has passed and there's enough left to explore that we can do it. That uh, I want to remake the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> enough time has passed. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? To... Like it, yeah. it just didn't. This almost seems off limits, and uh, it's sad. But I still have hope. I think it'll be B minus. It'll be funny. I have faith in the director, faith in the studio, and um, I'm ready to once again yeah, we, prove the fanboys wrong. We thought Spy would be insufferable, and it was. It was good. Wouldn't say great, but it was good. Yeah. And so if I mean, so yeah, awesome. Hope it's an A plus. Be great. It will be great. I'm excited for it. But if they weren't trying to do. Like, hey, let's literally do the exact opposite of the originals. Like, to mm-hmm. the fact that instead of Rick Moranis, we're going to cast Chris Hemsworth, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it's kind of... Or I guess he's kind of the Sigourney Weaver role. Or or the Annie Potts. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's just like, what's the complete op? How can we completely flip the other one on its head? And that seems kind of forced, too, you know? Maybe that's why people are kind of upset. It's because it seems forced to do all females. When it, you know, the fact that it's just natural choice and like you don't even think about it, you just want the, what's best for the movie. But even that decision seems forced, you know, doesn't seem natural. It's, it's confusing. But hey, ma'am, fam, question for you Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ziprecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. 
In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. I'm done talking about this until it comes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk Green Room, Richard. I'm in. I'm on the beat of the door running. I don't need your authority. Down with the more on the jar So I don't really don't know where you fell on this beforehand, what your anticipation level was. So I guess we can sort of talk about it in generic terms as far as what we expected this to be and what it was. So uh, go ahead, Richard. I'll give you the first word. I had not heard anything about this movie until uh, like 10 days ago. I was um, driving around the country for work and I had like a five and a half hour drive to my next meeting. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm out. Of, it was just like last week, all the podcasts I listened to were dry. And so, um, and this isn't to disparage this next podcast, but I, it's not one I listen to regularly. It's like my backup, 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 backup. And I was like, so I threw on Nerdist and I was scrolling through their feed to see if they had any good recent interviews with people I love. And I saw Patrick Stewart was on there and I love Patrick Stewart. And so I, for like an hour and a half, listened to this interview with Patrick Stewart. You mean and you listened great. to Chris Hardwick in a room with Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Yes. And uh, um, no comment. And uh, it was great, as it always is. With that. And then he started talking about this film. He was promoting this film. And so I got kind of excited about it. I thought it was going to be one I would have to catch. Uh, I'm pretty picky. I'm not, a, I'm not, for those of you that, who have noticed, Brian's not in this episode. Brian does not do horror films whatsoever. Freak him out. And he just doesn't enjoy himself, which is fine. Um, I'm picky about them. But this one kind of sounded... If I was, you know, I've got about one or two a year I can get down with, and this kind of sounded like it was one of them. Um, and, and I like the actors in it. Aside from Stewart, I like Anton Yelkin, and I like uh, maybe whatever Imogen her Poots. name is. Uh, Imogen Poots. I like Imogen Poots, but Alia, I also like Alia Shawkat. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I was kind of put in the back of my brain. Wasn't planning on seeing any in a rush. I was just kind of I'll catch it at some point rainy Saturday or something. And uh, then you said you want to do this episode and we got a bunch of tweets and stuff on it. So went and popped down and saw it uh, this afternoon, actually. And uh, before I got out of town, you're looking live from uh, Nacogdoches, Texas, Kent. Um, the Knack? The Knack. I'm in the Knack, which it, which plays um, the MAMCU. The Knack and the uh, MADCU are, are competitive competitive conferences um but yeah so went and saw it had i'd only seen like a one minute trailer i hadn't even seen a two hour two minute trailer for it yet and it went in pretty dark and that was my experience see well what about you were you hyped for this one or i know you're a big horror guy i was i had literally seen a poster for this okay so you were kind of okay and i had no idea what it was about no idea the tone didn't look the director didn't really even look at the cast. I saw Patrick Stewart, but that was it. I assumed everyone else was an unknown. 
Now, yeah. this hit close to home because I know in the early days of Forever the Sickest Kids, right? Um, you guys played, I mean, a few dozen skinhead rallies, I think, right? <laughs> you know what? It, uh, it definitely. I mean, hit. unofficially, right? No, I, I hear you. Wink, wink. No, I got unofficially. you. No, of course not. No, you, know what? No, we def- you didn't play any skinhead rallies. No, I hear we you. We played, gotcha. I mean, it was similar in the fact that we definitely played shows that we were out of our element. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, we'd play, you. We'd play yeah. like metal festivals and yeah. all of a sudden we would be the middle, like, or one of the headlining bands and it would be like X Death Star X before <laughs> us, you know, and that's just a real band, weird, by the way, we, X Death Star X. They were not fun. Like, Swedish guys with like, cal- like blood on their chest. Oh, it's not like, only that. I, I Nordic think, guys. I think we played at Warp Tour uh, on the main stage at Warp Tour. They basically have two stages that kind of alternate, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can have one band play and then another band go on immediately without having a set change between them. Sure. And so I think we were in uh, Washington. It was at the Gorge in Washington and gorgeous venue. I mean, literally yeah, like a- looks over a canyon. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. So we play there and we're super, super hyped for the show. You know, we'd never played at this venue. It's Warped Tour main stage. You know, we're always psyched to do that. So we look at the look at the lineup because Warp Tour changes every single day. Yeah. You don't know when your set's going to be, you know, because they have to mix it up. Because one day you could be playing at 11 a.m., like 20 minutes after doors open, or one day you could be playing at 6:30 in the prime of the day or whatever. They have mm-hmm. to mix it up just to make it fair on all the bands that are there, right? Unless it's written in your contract or whatever. But anyway, so we we see our lineup and it's Bad Religion, Forever the Sickest Kids, and then Under Oath. <laughs> and, and the crowds the holy so, trinity yeah like, the holy trinity so we get bad religions like leftover crowd and then un- <laughs> people waiting for under oath so it was not one of the best days for the band but it was a fun experience and a fun story nonetheless they didn't but vibe, the under oath guys didn't did vibe not vibe. Hey, Brittany? not at all uh, too bad I mean, on certain stuff. I mean, FDSK could get down with some no. with some yeah. breakdowns every now and then, and sure. certain moments, but then. Most of the time, no, it, definitely not. But I mean, it's just funny. In this, this is a punk rock band in here, and they're playing sort of a punk festival, and don't yeah. even fit in. I just felt that kind of weird. I like that really wouldn't wouldn't happen. I feel like they would they would mosh more than they did, and they did it did end up moshing to them when they get to the skinhead place and uh, start you know playing their own music instead of the Dead Kennedys cover, which I thought yeah. was funny. It's called. <laughs> Neo Nazis F off, I think, is what it was called. Yeah. And uh anyway, I sort of got into it and but it was similar in that. I mean, I could relate to being a band with no money um at the beginning, because we definitely did a couple tours there at the beginning where we'd get, we'd leave a show and be like, We're in the green, guys, and then we'd play another show and be like, Back in the red, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just constantly up and down. So it was interesting from that perspective. But uh what did you kind of experience from the fact that the it was a band did you feel like it was a organic story you know did it feel like a, a natural well, story I mean, or opposite from you i mean i don't know if our listeners know so i toured the country too with an all um you know my polka band my all male polka mm-hmm. review and for years and years and years polka venue polka venue polka venue and very different experience in this than this film needless to say <laughs> very different <laughs> yeah it's just funny note that the uh the green room poster it's got a like a long hallway or green room and a figure in the in yeah. the center with a machete but it's in the same pose as the 
Clash London Calling yeah, that was uh, cool. album cover. So I think that's kind of a cool little Easter egg or kind of ties into the punk rock theme mm-hmm. in the movie. For sure. But I thought this was a cool screenplay. It was a really uh, cool screenplay. And I uh Patrick Stewart on the yeah. Nerdist show talked about quickly, just a quick antidote. I won't just redo their show for you, but uh but I though I can't I have been confused with Chris Hardwick before. Um <laughs> because I was talking about myself at the at a bar. <laughs> uh, so I uh no, but uh <laughs> That actually did happen once. But just talking anyway, about Comic Con, like I was, con, no, I just walk, I was just interviewing people about a Walking Dead episode they just watched. I was like, "What do you think, though?" We're just I kidding. Was, We're just kidding. Yeah. Chris is a friend of the show. We're yes. poking fun. We just, we just tease. We tease because we love. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're insanely competitive podcasters. <laughs> so, uh, what was the question again? Oh, yes, Patrick Stewart said that he was. Uh, he was. He read. He got the screenplay and he printed it and he like sat down, uh, with a glass of something. And was was reading it, and he got like thirty pages in, and he just went around his house, like locking the doors, yep. and like checking his security because it's that kind of creepy. Um, it's a really, really, you know, that's. I think uh, there's a over reliance on directors. Now, this is a writer, director, filmmaker, but a lot of times there's an over reliance on like the the visuals of horror, um, which is when it gets kind of boring or or just jump scary. Whereas this. Uh, Realize much more on the screenplay, which is the best the, and the scariest kind of of something that's a thriller or a horror film. Oh, to me, totally. that's always kind of. To me, that's the different. I I know this isn't the official difference. To me, the, I consider this more of a thriller. Like I was gonna say, it just doesn't feel like horror to me. Yeah, like, like the horror. difference between horror and thriller to me is thr- a thriller relies on the screenplay and horror to, relies on the visual direction. That's to, just to me. Like and that's the differentiation I make in my head. Yeah, I feel like a, a horror movie's only job is to scare you. Mm. You know, like that has <laughs> one job. That's a great. Like, am that's I a scared? Great this is not like they did not try to scare me with this movie. Um, no, they tried to make me cringe and look away from the screen and get yeah. up, get sick. I did. at moments, but yeah. I was also thrilled in the fact that I didn't know it was going to happen. And yes. that, that's all in the screenplay. That's yeah. That's the best part of really good thriller is uh, people like us that watch a ton of movies and uh, it, when you re- you start to kind of get the beat, it becomes uh, you know like the chords of a jazz songs like people might put their flourishes in there but i know that they're going to go back to an e minor you know with right. the story but with a really good thriller i don't know what key this is in and it's just like free jazz and anything could happen um this definitely achieved that yeah it's uh what's, it's, what's your what's your desert island band though Ken? <laughs> i was thinking about it you know <laughs> that's a kind of a good a fun way to tie it all up in this movie yeah they start sure. off start off with reaction. kind of like a college <laughs> Yeah, sort of a, <laughs> at the end, sort of a yeah. college radio interview, which yeah. I thought was fun. It's kind of what you do when you're a nobody band. You do an interview that you don't know if anyone will ever hear, and you just, mm. just kind of assume that it's going to help you. And in <laughs> uh, this, definitely hurt them. Um, yes. Because the guy that does the college interview, you know, is the one who gets them the gig at this neo-Nazi venue. So I don't trust anyone with red shoelaces, man. It was, I didn't know what to expect at all here and but uh the desert island band was thing was funny that's one of one of the funnier moments especially in the middle of the movie where it gets it's getting very violent and one of them just says simon and garfunkel you know (laughs) of nowhere (laughs) it's like why are you thinking about simon and garfunkel when there are murders happening within two feet of you but uh that was funny but what desert island man i don't know maybe the beatles it's got to be beatles oasis um Zeppelin, maybe. That's so I don't know. 
one of those three. It's got to uh, be a band, though. It can't just be. Yeah, I know. Can't be Billy Joel or something. It has to be like a band that you can you can hear. You know, you can listen to so many different parts and stuff. Something that you you will discover something new every time you listen to it. If that makes Mine's, sense. Mine's uh, Deep Blue Something. <laughs> I was gonna go with Fastball. So <laughs> it's weird that you went. Have I told my fastball story on the air? No. Seeing them live. I saw them live like, uh, gosh, like uh, I was working at Borders. So it was probably somewhere between 06 and 09 and worked with a guy, really nice guy. And he was like, hey, my dad is the manager for fastball. And I was like, Steven, producer Steven and I are like, awesome. And he's going to get us ticks. And I'd be like, that'd be sweet if it was, you know, 10 years ago. But, you know, but we went. We went to see fastball and I admire them to the end. Because they opened and closed with the way. <laughs> I've seen a band called, called Seosin. I they, yes, they had a song called Seven Years. Mm-hmm. And they opened the show with Seven Years and then closed the show twice with Seven Years. They did it for their closing song and their encore. And their justification was like, we couldn't play it enough times for people to stop asking us to play it. So we're just going to keep playing it. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's kind of yeah. cool. It's like yeah, people are people only here always... to hear that song. Like, just play it again. Play that yeah. song again. And you, there's a great uh, music festival for listeners in the DFW. It's actually this weekend um, called the Wildflower Music Festival. And it's all like 90s one hit wonders. And I can't go this year, but I go every year. And because I, you know, it's an excuse to eat carnival food and, and listen to music. And it's great. And it's so funny how many of these bands, some of them just totally embrace it. And they're like, you know have are eating like funnel cake on the stage and playing the hits and then some bands are like still trying like they're teasing you with whatever their hit is like yeah. you're gonna have to watch us for 58 minutes they're still playing the new set. album yeah yeah exactly like, this one's off guys. our new record <laughs> something everyone no like one ever wants one, to hear that yeah yeah or not only are they promoting the new record but that new record came out in like 2013 and yeah. they're like just still uh uh this one's pretty new it's from yeah uh, it's still it's from our new album the reckoning which came out uh Four and a half years ago. They're still not convinced that the album cycle is over. Like, they're still, they're like, we've got a few more singles off this album if we really push it. (laughs) Exactly. That's always my favorite. Uh, You know, this one, uh, you probably haven't heard this one. It's a brand new one. It's about the Romney Obama election. Anyway, hit it, boys. (laughs) Two, three. It's uh, uh, (laughs) a. And the banter between. It's all, that's a. So it's about Sarah Palin. Here we go. It's a new one. (laughs) All right. No, that's funny. Wildflower is is a good time, but it's it just it's music great. festivals are a weird thing, and being in a band is a weird thing. It's just I kind of sympathize with these characters, and I had yeah, no idea. I, <laughs> I had no idea what 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 the heck was going on with this venue. I didn't understand it. It was very mysterious. It was what? mysterious to you because I didn't understand the intention. I mean, I know these guys were like skinheads or whatever, and they just yes. like hardcore stuff and being violent and all that, like. I mean, this does not. This movie does not do good for the punk rock stereotype at all. Like nobody's gonna. I, no. I can imagine a lot of you know decent people that listen to this kind of music seeing this movie and be like, "That's a really bad yes. <laughs> way to interpret what we are about and everything." But um, I didn't know what this was about. It was really mysterious, and so I guess we can. We're not really into spoilers much, but we're gonna sort of get into some spoilery type stuff, but. This is a very thrilling movie. Um, I think the biggest evidence for that is the most intense scene in the film is just a dialogue back and forth between yes. Anton Yelkin yes. and Patrick Stewart. And uh, bet- there's a door between them, mm-hmm. and Patrick Stewart's on one side and Yelkin's on the other, and 
Patrick Stewart's uh, trying to convince it, uh, him this to won't end well. Yeah, he's see, trying yeah. to convince him to give up his gun and open the door. You know, hey, just give us the gun, open the door, and everything will be fine. And it's so freaking tense and yeah. great. And uh, I can imagine that being the moment that Patrick Stewart was reading the screenplay, like, I have to do this, you know, <laughs> just yeah. the depth that you can take it to. But uh, I don't want to get spoilery of what happens in that scene, but that's just sort of evidence of this movie that, yes, there are a lot of intense moments and there's some great gore. You know, if you're a fan of, of horror, you know, for, for how it, it's creative ways of showing death on screen. You know, a lot of people are kind of twisted. Like that's their escape is like, I want to see a guy get his head cut off by a machete, you know, and chopped in half. I mean, there's a, there's definitely like a thrill in that from an entertainment perspective. It definitely it's lost has on me, but it definitely exists. I yes. mean, there are some horror movies that that's all it has is like, man, that was really cool. How is like 13 ghosts, like how that guy got chopped in half with the glass door, you know, and then it for one half of his body slid down and the other day, you know, like that's all you remember. Mm-hmm. This movie had that, you know, the, the gory moments and the, oh my gosh, I can't even look at that moments. And it has the, uh, the tense dialogue as well. And the, uh, you never know what's going to happen. It kept me guessing a lot, but I didn't know what to expect uh, from that perspective. And I guess we can go more spoilery here. Um, like I said, there's a, <laughs> it's hard to talk about this without getting a little spoilery because there are so many yes, deaths involved just, and things. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Cause everyone, but two people die basically. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out uh, they get this gig, the band, the ain't rights, I guess is what they're called. Mm-hmm. We get this gig, you know, like, okay, we'll go, Make our money, you know, fill up a tank of gas and head home. And that was their plan. And they're uh, out of gas, basically. They need to get back yeah. kind of to the other, other side, side of the country. country. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they take a gig that's questionable, but maybe worth it. Right. So they play their set and aren't very well received at the beginning, but end up, the crowd ends up liking them. They walk backstage, they walk back to their dressing room. Oh, crap. All our stuff's in the hallway. And the, the doorman's like, hey, sorry, guys, moved all our stuff in the hallway. You know, headlining bands coming in, they need your dressing room. I go, no problem. We'll just get our stuff and we'll get our money and leave, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Anton Yelkin's like, oh, sorry, forgot your cell phone. Let me go grab it. And that's when you're like, oh, no. Oh, God. What's going to happen? And uh, he walks back in and sees a dead girl on the floor of the dressing room who has a knife in her head. There's some skinheads around her. And uh, they won't let him leave. And, uh, that's where it all starts, but I guess my question was, like, why did they kill the girl in the first place? Did they ever go I into that I was not aware all? of that. I think they're just evil skinheads, bro. I think that's the leap we're supposed to take. I guess. I, I just felt like there was going to be some kind of reveal somewhere along the line in this movie that was going to explain more of this, like why this occurred and uh, why we should have been rooting for the protagonist. Like, I thought there was some sort of human sacrifice element coming at some point, you know? Some sort of, you know, religious ritual or something that these people had to perform in order to move up in the ranks of their, I don't know, their gang or whatever they Mm -hmm. were in. I just didn't understand the motivation at all for, A, the first murder, and then all the subsequent murders. Like, why can't... Why can't these people leave, you know, if they say mm-hmm. they're not, I, I trusted this band You know, I wouldn't have thought that they would have left and called the cops and tried to get these guys in trouble. You know, I, I felt like they would have left and gotten the hell out of there, you know, and gone back home, get their yeah. money and left. Um, I shouldn't understand like why, why hold them hostage to begin with. The motive is not, uh, it's not something this movie 
don't this seems like a negative i i took the leap i just went they're evil yeah. skinheads and now they're in the situation i'm gonna i didn't would it have been better if there was more of a motive yes but uh it was fine i almost didn't need one yeah if they're skinheads i think we all i think we're past having to give evil motive to nazis we not just to say assume... it needed one i just felt like that was coming especially yes, me towards towards the end in the third act when they sort of have the face to face the uh, Patrick Stewart and, and Yelkin when they sort of find him on the road up the road and everything i felt like there was going to be some sort of moment where Patrick Stewart begs for his life and is telling him about why this happened and trying to convince Anton Yelkin to on why he should see it his way you know like uh trying to convert him to the skinhead i guess and that never happened. And I guess it's it's sort of good versus evil, and it's plain and simple. You know, not to say that that's bad, but uh, I I was confused, and and I didn't know anything about Patrick Stewart. And man, what a risk kind of for him to do this. And I yes. mean, in hindsight, it's a great decision. But beforehand, you wouldn't have thought he would ever be interested in in something like this. And what a great casting choice it was, though. I honestly couldn't his, his think of somebody else. His best villain since Masterminds. <laughs> also kind of a Nazi. Wasn't that guy kind of Nazi-ish too? Or some sort of I think so. Remember yeah. with him and Vincent Carthizer? Yep. Young teenage Vincent Carthizer. That's a, that was a big... 12-year-old Richard was a big fan of that. Big fan of... I read a Masterminds from, from Blockbuster probably eight times. Sort of a chess match between the, the, uh, the bad guys and uh, the band in this which I really found interesting. Yes. The fact that... Uh, that's okay. why you watch this movie, I think. Like, it, it has weaknesses and motive, but that stuff is worth it. You almost the, feel like the, either side could win, you know? Yeah. You, oh. re- you really feel like either side could win. And in the fact that, uh, for example, the girl gets stabbed. They're like, okay, we're going to call the cops. Cops are on their way. Okay, promise. That one dude, I can't remember his name, the, sort of, the guy that makes it till the end. Right. He's like, okay, cops are called. They go outside. And he convinced two other skinheads to stab each other. And they go, okay, here's a stabbing victim. And mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of unexpected as well, to have like a fake victim. And mm-hmm. I could see that happening in real life, you know? Yes. A crime yes. is committed, and they just commit another crime, and the cops literally come out of their cars and say, was this the person who was stabbed? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> that's all they do. They don't go inside. They don't do anything. But that was a clever way for them to get the cops off their tail. And uh, and do that, but definitely a chess match between them. And uh, I thought Anton Yelkin was was toast. He's yeah, yeah. He's uh, he 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 seems like he's. They definitely push him as a lead in a horror movie further than than most. Where you you really do think he's done. Right. Most of the time, you know the lead is probably good, but he was good. And I mean, I really like him. I don't know he doesn't I do, do more stuff. I like him too. He's, he's like, like a, a better Eisenberg. Maybe. Yeah. He's like well, a, Eisenberg's good actually. He's just Eisenberg with a better agent. Sure. He has he has more talent, I think. He reminds me of a Dane DeHaan or a mm-hmm. Paul Dano. And, Have you seen any of I'm gonna butcher it, the director, Jeremy it's either Saulnier or Saulnier. Saulnier, uh, yeah. Um his, any of his other films? Have you seen uh, have you seen Blue Ruin? I haven't seen Blue Ruin. It's been on my Netflix queue forever. It's a poster you'll never forget. It's really kind of an yeah. iconic poster. But no, you, do you know who the second lead in Blue Ruin is? Who? 
Uh, Devin Rattray. Can you name the iconic? Oh, <laughs> I see. I see who he is. Yeah. It's Buzz, a Buzz, Buzz from Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still getting it done. Buzz Buzz was in Nebraska? I didn't yeah, remember that. Yeah. I didn't remember that either. I was too I was too busy staring at Forte. Wow. That's amazing. No, I didn't notice that. But uh it's amazing that oh Bud was in RIPD as well. Wow. Come to Good learn a lot him. of stuff. But no, I haven't seen Blue Room, but man, this guy I didn't look at the director, like I said, going into it. And uh I just I just knew at the end, I was like, whoever directed this definitely wrote it. Like, this is definitely a, I've got an idea. It's a, it's a whiplash, it's an, you know? It's yeah, a, it's like an auteur kind of thing. Oh, hundred percent. Sure. And man, this was really well shot too. He's good. No, he's, he's a talented guy. I'm excited to see. I don't say this much with thriller, um, horror directors. Like I'm, I'm pumped to see more of his stuff. This is really well shot. And it, and the, one of the more well shot scenes was actually the, uh, when they when the band is playing the set at the shady venue and their uh the mosh pit starts and the camera kind of goes in the mosh pit but it's really shot in a way that i've never seen it's like out of focus it's not focused on anything in particular but you can kind of see stuff happening in the background i don't really know how to explain it i wish i could post a video on our site or something to explain it but if you haven't seen this, go go watch it and wait till the mosh pit scene. And you're like, man, that's a really creative way to go about yes. it. It's definitely not something not not like how I would have storyboarded it, you know. And uh, I mean, this guy's got a good eye. Whoever the director is, uh, Jeremy uh, Solnier, Solnier. But Yelkin was great. Shawcat needs to do more stuff as well. Um, I knew she mm-hmm. was toast though. As soon as yeah. I saw her character, I was like, she's gonna die. <laughs> it's gonna gonna happen i just never thought she would be eaten by dogs it's not a way that i ever imagined her to leave us The dogs were the probably the scariest part of this movie for me and i love dogs but uh it's the most conflicting part because dogs are tough it's because like they're so evil but but you don't want to shoot them in the face because they're dogs you know (laughs) know. It's, it's great i'm the weakest on this like but I get some out of myself. Like I react so much harder to animals dying, and that's just society doing that to me. Like I don't even blink. I can watch a million people die in a movie. <laughs> I don't even blink. And dogs facing peril, even evil dogs, fills me with such dread. And uh, cool society we've crafted. I'm I'm definitely broken mentally. Thought it was clever how they used feedback to get rid of the dogs in the venue. But that mm-hmm. was a, uh, a clever motive. Uh, by the band to get rid of the dogs. Um, who was that they, big? Who was that huge guy that was locked in the room with them the whole time? Big Justin. Big Justin. That's who I'm talking about. Eric Edelstein. Let's see what he's been in. Hills Have Eyes. That's what it is. Yeah. And Jurassic World. And he was yeah. talented. And he played this character well. But I just felt like at some point, you know, he's locked in there with them. I knew he. I knew they were going to kill him. But Imogen Poots. I felt like she was on the the bad people's side. I was just waiting for her to turn on to turn on them at some she point. She kind of sabotaged a lot of stuff, yeah. You know what I mean? Like as soon as they escaped the room, I expected her to just mow them down and like escape herself or something. Uh I definitely felt like she she was in on it the whole time. And that that would have been a interesting twist to throw in here at the end. There wasn't very many twists though when you come to think of it. It wasn't. It was simply. No, a, it was. Uh, it was like we're room, locked in this. We're locked yeah. in this room, and we're getting out. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Uh, maybe that. Uh, like fine. I said, I would have liked to seen more explanation for a lot of this stuff and motivation. 
but it, you can't knock it for just being a fun, you know, very simple ride, you know, um, not for not being overly complicated or overly ambitious. And it's a good, it's like a perfect hour and a half. So I'll take maybe a little lack of exposition for it not being two hours. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the discovery of the bunker was, uh, was kind of a twist, if you will. I mean, a bit. They discover a completely separate room underneath them. Yeah, a little heroin action going on. It looked like a meth lab of some kind. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I guess they were guys were drug dealers. They were in the drug game. That that's the main I would imagine if if you're leading a neo Nazi organization that, you know, your options are limited in terms of employment. It's a commitment. So you gotta deal drugs or something. Something in the underworld, I would think. I don't think you can be like yeah, I'm a vice president of uh, of a Chase Bank, and you know I'm pretty involved in my uh, Nazi fraternity. Right. <laughs> it didn't it didn't follow a lot of the cliches that we see in horror movies. You know, like it even pokes fun at some of those cliches. And uh, you got to be kidding me! There's not one freaking vent in this whole place. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, stuff like that. That was funny. Um, sort of meta type stuff in this. Um, didn't expect didn't expect the bunker stuff to happen like it did and um i don't want to get too far into it i guess we can sort of get into third act uh type stuff yeah. so alia gets eaten by dogs two guys get eaten by dogs in their group i think as as a matter mm-hmm. of fact yeah. and some of the most gory violence like i said um i've seen in a movie the scene where the tiger one where where he gets the to the throat Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Don't see that every day. We, I mean, I do. I have a whole collection of a scene that I referred to just... earlier with Patrick Stewart and mm-hmm. um, Yelkin when they they finally open the door, and uh, turns out there's more than just Patrick Stewart out there. There's another guy, and you don't see anything. All you see is Yelkin, but on the other side, and him screaming, and his arm is you know obviously pulled through the door, and you don't know what's happening. But uh, he pulls his arm back, and it's completely destroyed. And that was yeah. that was awful. Yeah, that and was that was like a lot of. I mean, I was impressed with this movie because there was a lot of people in the theater to see this. I saw this on a Tuesday night at like seven o'clock. I saw it Wednesday was, afternoon at like at literally like eleven thirty in the morning. Weird time, weird emerging into mm-hmm. just midday from this. Yeah, and there was like my theater was like half full. Yeah, it. it was. I didn't know if anyone knew about this, but word is getting out. But when that moment happened, the arm, I mean, it's collective just groan in the theater. Like, oh, I mean, it. There were several moments, especially when um, Imogen Pooch just guts that guy with the box cutter. I mean, just completely cuts him. You know, splits him wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, didn't expect that at all. And uh, I guess if you're going to kind of claim this to be horror, at least bring us that, which it did. Yeah, but for sure. Well done. <laughs> well executed and surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, now he's laying on the ground. Oh, my God, he's gutted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like that fast. <laughs> so crazy. It'll yeah. beat around the bush either. <laughs> and the no, final no. scene, kind of the, uh, the uh, you know, where they're they're staging everything with the gas siphoning and and. Uh-huh. Like and uh and then they happen upon them. Um, they that could. I liked that the climax was short. That short. 
Like they didn't make that go 30 minutes. That, I yeah, feel like yeah. that interaction could have been really long and drawn out, and they kind of just movie ends here, which I liked. Very tense moment in um, in which Patrick Stewart sends his last two goons in there to kill the last two people, and uh, I think what does he have? Three guns left in his gun, or three bullets left, or something like that. And there's two people, and uh, so that's that's always they do that in Deadpool too. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple effect uh you know directorial effect or narrative yeah, 75 effect years, 75 years old probably and it's always oh, yeah. good you've got 30 seconds to get out and only two bullets and so yeah. you as an audience are counting down 30 seconds and you're counting the bullets as they're firing and it's a very very effective tool so they do and that here played very well in django unchained too for comedic effect played very well in deadpool when they're when he's shooting the guys, he's got 12 bullets and he's shooting the guys and each bullet's flying by with a number on it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That was a very, yeah. very yes. creative way to do that. But so they do that here. And uh, that lends itself to a lot of tension. And the fact that one of these guys, they basically try to flank him into the bunker from the, from the dressing room into the underground bunker. And uh, there's two people. And, you know, one of them says, you know, this is a trap, right? <laughs> like you, they're yeah. just trapping us. Like we're, Something's going to happen. And uh, very tense when the one of them jumps down into the bunker to look for the other one. And um, definitely get your heart racing. It's kind of the thrills we, we kind of want in a thriller, let alone a horror movie. And um, you just didn't know how they were going to defeat the bad guys in the end. And they ended up doing it. And very effectively at that. But uh, it just gets you thinking like... If you were in this situation, would you be okay with just mauling down like everybody? <laughs> like just if you had a shotgun and you mm-hmm. knew there were twelve guys outside, would you just walk down the hall and just just mow them down? You know what I mean to survive. I, I, if you knew it was I, your only way to survive, I, I think I would try. I would immediately fail. I, I don't. I never factor in <laughs> kickback on guns, and I think I would just fly around like a a balloon you let the air out of, and then immediately get gutted or attacked by dogs. <laughs> And uh, the director definitely plays up the dogs here. Uh, yes. Sort of the last scene or act, kind of a attention on the dog, kind of follow the dog as he escapes or sort of runs away. And um, very sad. I mean, you didn't have to do that. We didn't have to get the dog pulling out our heartstrings. But uh, I haven't was- been this uh, scared of dogs since I used to play Doom. <laughs> oh, they were terrifying in Doom. Yeah, yeah, they were. I've been this scared of dogs since uh, Avatar. Since since all have pooped in the pool. <laughs> since your dog pooped in the pool while you're playing volleyball. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. By the way, she totally knew what she was doing, and that's why it was awesome. <laughs> yep, it was awesome until I had to scoop it out with my hands. But hey, Corey, voluntarily, I, I did. Well, I you know I think fast and I act faster. That's another Show. kind of groan from the audience. I mean, when the dog you see at the end, um, just walking up the road, and they're sort of following the dog, trying to f- find safety, and um, the dog like lays down next to its dead owner, and you're just yeah. like, "Oh, so heartbreaking!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, why did the dog have to be pulled into this? You know, it's a freaking dog that was trained to do evil. My, my like endorphins were so confused and shot at the end of this from cringing and being t- scared and like being amused and then like feeling guilt over a dog it was it was tough so the movie ends 
Anton Yelkin and Imogen Poots make it out alive. And uh, he says, I think the closing line is Yelkin says, I, f- I finally figured it out. And she's like, what? He's like, who my Desert Island band is? And she's like, does like anyone cares or something like that? Something that, Is that the line? Uh, it that is not the line, but I can't uh, I can't say the line. I know it's the line tells, is it says something a yes, curse word, but, if you will. Yes. But. Tell someone who gives a yeah. care, who gives a rip. Yeah, it was funny, funny moment to end on, and like mm-hmm. I said, they get out alive. But I was thinking Anton Yelkin, um, how pissed was he that they used duct tape to like heal his <laughs> arm? Now that he's like alive, okay, now I got to rip this duct tape off. Like, there's no way that comes out better than before. I didn't think about that. You You're right. Could have put a freaking a, like cloth around it. You could probably make an equally terrifying sequel where it's just them ripping that duct tape <laughs> off his arm for an hour and a half, and it'd be just as gruesome and awful. I just was thinking while he was doing it, I was like, okay, that might work, but you're going to have to tear it off. Like, if it was me, I would have wrapped it in like a towel and then yeah. done the duct tape or oh, done the yeah. du- like flipped it up. Du- green room was bad. Have you seen Hospital Room? Oh, dude, it's way darker. <laughs> it's way darker. Or at least flipped it around and then done two layers. I don't know. I guess if your arm is coming off, you're not thinking that much, but right. could have could have helped them out a little bit more. Like they knew to stop the pre- stop the bleeding, but they didn't know to not wrap it in duct tape. But that's a small detail. And They're a small gonna have complaint. a heck of a heck of a song to write about this uh, this escapade. <laughs> they didn't seem to care when any of their band members just got offed. Like they didn't even mention it. Well, like, I mean, Aaliyah gets you know eaten by like. dogs, and it's just. They don't even act like it happened. That's there kind were of... probably times, like, you guys, you all live in a van. You're just tired of each other. You smell each other all the time. Like, if Mark Stewart had gotten mauled by dogs, yeah, you, would, you wouldn't even bat an eye, right? Uh, I mean, just... That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> when you need gas, I mean, who cares? Yeah, exactly. You need gas. So, you know, whatever. So this movie surprised me. I mean, honestly, I expected this to be a fun, you know, hour movie. You know, hour and 20 minutes. Um, didn't expect to be thrilled like I was, didn't expect to be scared like I was, didn't expect the performances that we got, didn't expect the cinematography that uh, we got at all. And this is something that, uh, this is a director that I will look forward to his next projects. Um, this was a, this was a mission accomplished, I think. For and, sure. Uh, makes me wonder how this movie could have done in an October release of this year. You know, maybe the, did the release window hurt this at all? Uh, you know, it's only made what two point eight mil or something like that. I don't know what's it at. It costs five, so I mean, it'll. I think it'll make money because this will have legs too. It's made. It's made uh, two million. It's almost three million. Yeah, so it'll make. I think it'll stick around for a while. It, it was number twelve last weekend. I wouldn't be shocked if it was, you know, like number nine this weekend. People are gonna go see it if you like horror. And this is an original kind of fun. Uh, super dark film. If you don't like this at all, then don't. You won't enjoy it at all. It's not going to cross you over to the genre, but it's it's fine. It's, it's good. By the way, the green room, there's not really a green room in this. I think the director, his mo- first movie is Blue Ruin. Yeah. And he said maybe. he just kind of named it like that for consistency's sake, and he said he's going to do a, a trilogy of like color movies. Like his next movie is going to be cool. Red something. So that's cool. That's kind of an interesting... Way to, way I'd to like to see it. him do something outside of horror. Yeah. Or this. You know, like I said, I don't feel like this was horror. This had horror elements, but this no, was... A, yeah, but, but something a little more accessible take to out a two, wide audience. Yeah, you think you take out two of the murders or, you know, don't go as far as you did on some of this stuff. And I think this could have been pitched as a thriller. 
or uh, people sure. would have thought of it more as a thriller than a horror maybe movie. Maybe he can do. Maybe he can take over uh, Batman and Superman. You know, could make it even more grisly. Man, more I, bottles I, of urine. I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm glad Brian didn't see this. He wouldn't have wouldn't have liked us. He, he's not even going to be able to listen to this episode. He's he's if he's listening to it right now, he's so tense. It was. Let me tell you, Brian. If you're listening, you wouldn't have made it, and no. you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But this is a big year for horror. Conjuring two coming out. Yeah. Are yeah, you a Conjuring a, fan? Do you? Like I like the Conjuring. Conjuring. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't know if we need a Conjuring two, but the Conjuring was a was definitely a bright spot in the past. Yeah. Five years of horror. Now people like it. Cool. It was. It was fun. And uh, the movie lights out. The trailer is terrifying. It's coming out soon as well. And uh, we'll see. Uh, love horror, love horror, and um, anytime we can talk horror, it's fun. But it just doesn't seem like in the past few years we've had many horror movies that have come out that have demanded our attention. I know we did a couple uh, last year. We did one last year. Which one did we do? We did the M Night Shyamalan. That's right. And uh, the visit. That's it. Yeah, the visit. We did the visit. Oh, that was a weird movie. <laughs> a weird time. That last, it's always a weird time every year between August and October. It's just a weird. You always think about the movies that you reviewed at that during those times. Like that was strange. Yeah, if that ever happened, let alone that we talked about it for an hour. But I think we should move on to grades. Okay? I'm in. I'm gonna give this an A. Nice. This was solid. Um, I mean, this, yeah. I'll watch this one again. This was this was solid. I'm gonna go A minus. Okay. Did it? I know you're not a necessarily a horror fan, mm-hmm. but like, was this good? You know, was this like, man, that's as good as I could have yeah, expected for totally. a horror movie to be, or this? Like I said, of I'm movie picky, and I was entertained the whole time. So, yeah, good. Yeah, that's all I can hear. Hey, what's up, ma'am? Fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits holy crap and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad so take it from me try out blue apron now go to blueapron.com slash mad that's blueapron.com slash mad get three meals on us for free nothing goes better with a movie than dinner so check out blue apron blueapron.com slash mad blue apron a better way to cook all right Let's move on. Let's hit a recommend, Richard. Weekly recommends. Kent, what's your recommend, my friend? This is sort of one, Richard, that Brian would uh, would like for him to be here for. But uh, I'm sure I can have a great conversation with you as well. Uh, Get your hopes up. Maybe we'll talk about it again if Brian recommends it. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix, The 30 for 30, This Magic Moment? Yeah, the uh, Penny Hardaway uh, yes. Shaq one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just Interesting it, team. Just caught it last week. I was on a little 30 for 30 kick last week. Uh, basically caught up on ones that I hadn't seen past uh, 
in the past, the most recent ones. Man, this one was this one was really good. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know about that team or didn't remember about that team. And you can probably speak to it more than I can, but there's some good teams, and it's a shame that they didn't stick together for longer than they yeah. did. Nick Anderson mm-hmm. missing the free throws. I didn't remember that at all. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. It's a tough sports moment. Yeah, there was a lot of just kind of drama on that team, and those two guys, um, you know, Penny Hardaway is one of the most kind of, I mean, he was so so famous for just a short period of time athletically and so good for such a short you know he was like a he was like a shooting star um and then it kind of immediately fell off due to injuries and 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 circumstances uh that yeah i mean that's a really interesting thing that they had those back-to-back number one picks and and both were unbelievable Shaq is a top definitely top 15 you could probably make the case for top 10 player of all time and like peak for peak, you know, if you only measure everyone by their their best year, uh, you know, Anthony Anthony Hardway is probably a top, you know, forty or fifty player ever. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy that that didn't work out. And uh, but yeah, that's a really good one. Thirty for thirty is great if you like sports at all. I would say you need like a ten percent interest in the topic for to enjoy it. Like they're just so well, they're so informative and 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 uh, well produced. They're they're great. Most of them are. There's a few hit or miss. There's a few sure. misses. But yeah, I would they've say... Made, they've they, made 80 of them now or whatever. Uh, yeah, so they there's... bat 80% on them, yeah. at least. But, I mean, I didn't know... I didn't realize that Chris Webber trade happened. I mean, what yeah. a genius, like... Oh, <laughs> to trade Chris Webber and still get Penny Hardway yeah. uh, was... Man, that's a, that's GMing at its finest right there. Definitely. And, uh, what a what a crazy moment. And it brought us Little Penny. Exactly. I love Little Penny so hard. I had those shoes. I had the Penny shoes. And Chris I like, Rock was, got so famous because of yeah. Little Penny and Basketball Jones, that stuff he did for Space Jam. Like, yep. that launched Chris Rock as much as it did Penny Hardaway. Definitely. And it was right around the time they that uh, Nike was always smart with that because it was right around the time of, like, Bring the Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, like, you know, you have this transcendent comedian, but he can only, you know, his, his act was so dirty. It only can get to a certain percentage of people. Well, let's put him in a Nike commercial and have him be a little puppet. And now the other people that don't know this act can laugh at him. You know, it's really smart. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a great. A it's great, a great one. Uh, and it's just funny. The roots of the franchise, the fact that it was basically a Disney franchise or whatever, you know, like yeah. they're called the magic and everything. And they didn't have any respect and they had to earn respect and. Uh, it's like the Ducks too in hockey. You're oh, the they hockey were, they literally were owned by Disney. The mighty, yeah, they were the, the mighty, Ducks. mighty Ducks. They yeah. were yeah, they were launched as the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, same, very similar kind of stories. Who both became you know kind of staples of the leagues that their respective leagues. Absolutely. And the magic of tra- trailing off, but they did make it back to the finals with with Dwight Howard and with mm-hmm. Hito Turkoglu and other players. You know, so they've definitely yeah. set a standard for their franchise. And yeah, it's uh, a good. It's a definitely interesting interesting documentary just about the franchise started and their glory days in the nineties. And it's mainly about Shaq and Penny. It's mm-hmm. definitely more, it's more of a Shaq biography than it is a young Shaq too. movie about the magic. Yeah. Young Shaq. Shaq's the man. <laughs> Shaq is. is so American treasure. It's not even, it's honestly not even funny. <laughs> he walks the line, but yeah, I would probably lean I think slightly. He, I think him. he's, I think the fact you and I witnessed it when he, he was walked there? down, when he walked down the, the ramp at WrestleMania, that, that solidified the, sense of humor about oneself in my opinion <laughs> that, that. That, that was, was awesome anyone Shaq, that what the crap WrestleMania. anyone that appears at wrestlemania is an automatic 18. anyone that goes toe-to-toe with the big show or wrestlemania you get my vote 
McGruber. McGruber's own the big show. All right, my recommend <laughs> is gonna be uh, is gonna be a mixtape slash album that came out in the last week or so. Uh, Chance the Rapper has a new album out, and uh, so much interesting st- stuff going on in the last two years in hip hop. And uh, he's one of the most interesting things about it. I don't know if you have you heard the album or mixtape. The tape. I haven't doing? heard the album. I heard my coworker was talking about it today, but I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, you should you should find it and, and listen to it. It's uh, it's it's excellent. And I think it's on Apple Music now, and it's also available, um, I'm sure, through back channels as well online, as because it was released as a mixtape. Mixtape. Um, but yeah, I I think you'll uh, you'll really enjoy it. It's it's it kind of builds on the momentum of Ultralight Beam, and and is a is a really cool. Uh, it sounds like, you know, um, it sounds like 2016. Like it sounds like this is going to be an album that we'll think of when we think of 2016. So, so it's, it's a highly recommend. Jensen Rapper is great. Yeah. I loved his work on Life of Pablo. It's the first, my first real, I had heard acid rap before. Mm-hmm. It's my first real mainstream exposure to him. Yeah. And, um, I've heard good things. I've, you're mostly a Donnie Trumpet guy. <laughs> Uh, exclusively actually yeah you you cut out the chance lyrics you just listen to donnie trump right. i respect that exclusively but um disappointing for views in the six views from the six yeah uh, apparently that's not a good album and luckily we have lemonade and this yeah. and life of pablo this year and other other but hip-hop. big big uh you know okay 1996 is thought of as such a huge hip-hop year and uh 20 years later i think 2016 is going to be a really really big year too that song with Don't Hurt Yourself with Jack White and Beyonce, holy crap. Mm-hmm. That is an unbelievable song. <laughs> it's both of them just peaking and Beyonce yeah. like going completely going off. Like you never would have yeah. thought that would have worked as a collaboration. But it's it's uh it's awesome. So good recommend. I'm gonna check that out. It's called yeah. Coloring Book, right? Coloring book or chance three, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Where can we find you online, Richard? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden or at richardbarden.com or in the Mad About Movies newsletter. Sign up now because episode, or pardon me, issue, I always say episode, issue number two will be out the 1st of June. Uh, Kent, where can I find you? Find me online on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find our show on iTunes. Search for Mad About Movies or subscribe there. And a little bit of side note, kind of a house cleaning type stuff. All of our episodes are now available on iTunes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we've switched yeah. servers completely. Uh, thanks to the people who bared with us last week. We know some episodes are offline temporarily last week. And uh, thank you to the people that wrote us in telling us they were offline. That means people were looking for episodes, which is which is always a good feeling. But we are completely on the new server now. And the benefit of that is, A, all our, all our shows are on iTunes and all the, the podcast feeds uh, forever. So it'll just keep growing and growing. And you'll always have access to the archive. And B, the quality of the show will increase too because we're able to upload higher quality audio files to the server. So the show will sound better in your ears as well. That's good. That's Unfortunately, we're, uh, I'm still on it for now. <laughs> and Richard's still on the show. So for now, uh, yeah, keyword. And Kent, thank you for all your hard work. Kent uh, spearheaded all that stuff and did a great job. So thank you to Kent. Public public thank you to Kent for getting that transfer done. We're very excited. Absolutely. No, no problem. And shout out to Wondery our new partners who made that possible and uh, big stuff to come in the next year with them. So until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe but I got you pegged.
But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs> <laughs> 